All right. Well, welcome back to Baker Hills podcast, Lending Made Easy. Joined again today by Brian Peckinpah and David Catalano. And today we're going to talk about automation through your credit risk processes. So even as you look across other industries, process automation is a pretty hot topic right now. Businesses are really automating for similar reasons if you really look at all of these. So looking at cost savings, efficiency, transparency and scalability. So to kick things off today, where do you see financial institutions really getting the most out of automating processes? And so I guess, David, we'll start with you today. Sure. Thanks, Mitch. I I guess my answer is going to come from a recency bias. I just got done reading some articles on credit risk management and how the current economy is really bringing some new challenges to banks because they really have not had anything like what we're seeing right now or I think anything that's about to come up in quite a while. So there are folks that worked at banks that haven't really seen a deep recession. They haven't had to work through systemic credit issues across the board, across asset classes, across industries. So, oh, and and they've been able to grow their loan portfolios to a pretty big size, both in absolute dollars and individual credits. So as I look at that problem, I'm thinking, do they actually have the staff to monitor all of the loans they have on the books? And then how are they going to, you know, how do you get on the front end of that? What are the leading indicators of a loan going bad? And I always think about deposits when I think about a leading indicator for, say, a business. If the deposits are slowing, if the deposit balances are shrinking or going away altogether, that's a really, really strong indication that that underlying business has an issue or that that business owner has an issue or that consumer has an issue. And how do you do that at scale? And that's really the question or what I think is a great topic to as a bank to focus on from an automation perspective. How do I monitor what I have on my balance sheet in an automated way to tell me who I should talk to? Brian, what do you think about that topic? Yeah, it, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head, David. We're potentially going into uncharted territory. It's certainly been a long time since we've seen the broad scale economics be where they are today, but none of us have seen what a potential impact of the pandemic that we had could have on on an economy. And you're right. That means how do you review a portfolio when everything's potentially upside down and different? You can't really rely on past behaviors to help you predict future behaviors because there wasn't anything like 2020 and 2021 in our history. But I think it also applies to the forward thinking decisions. I think it, it's just it's good to understand that behavior that you're talking about in your portfolio. What does good look like for my institution? Because what good credit looks like inside of my loan portfolio as a regional bank in the Northeast might look wildly different than what good looks like for a credit union in the Southwest. And really understanding your portfolio, the behaviors in your portfolio, and having a way to turn that into actionable decision criteria on the front end so that I'm making sure that I'm applying the appropriate metrics and and factors to my decisions to to ensure good quality credit going on the books going forward. So I think it it creates an opportunity out there to create a closed loop ecosystem, if you will, of your lending decision. But again, that all starts, as you said, from automation, because I can't throw bodies at that process. There's just too many factors to think about and to feed back to the organization. Yeah, and we see things in the economy now like savings rate, the savings rate being negative, credit card applications 
skyrocketing, credit balances rising on the consumer side of things. And if you're a credit union in the Southwest and you've got 50,000 car loans on your books, that's a challenge, especially if you don't have the corresponding deposit account. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you can monitor deposits, that's a good thing. So imagine looking at a deposit on a trending basis and then seeing that that deposit's lower this month than it was last month and then seeing that trigger. And then you see it again, you get another trigger. Now you've got a couple triggers in a row where you see a deteriorating deposit balance. If there's a corresponding loan for that relationship, that's someone you want to talk to. So mm-hmm. the automation of that at scale uh, and the creation of an item, like a, a, a tracking item that you can assign to somebody uh, to go check on that account, say it's the relationship manager or portfolio manager, somebody in the institution, that would allow you to screen through on a nightly basis all your deposit and loan accounts and determine who should I talk to today, who should I be talking to this week. Yeah, and, it, and you know, it also again, you mentioned that scale, right, David? That and it takes also a little bit of the human bias out of it as well. You know, I, I as an RM or potentially as a portfolio manager may have personal ties to these borrowers that that may make my glasses a little rosier than a uh, you know an arbitrary look at the data would indicate and not only that the ability to apply more complex logic to it right you I mean you're talking about those singular trigger events my deposit balance is decreasing maybe credit score decreasing one could argue you can do that from a reporting perspective if you set up the right reports to aggregate that i still have to have the people go and sign in and look at them, <laughs> and right. let alone take action on them as opposed to the triggers you're talking about. But it also is a much more one-to-one relationship at that point as opposed to looking at compounding factors. So uh, you know, it may not be relevant to how I think about portfolio performance that these credit balances increase. However, that combined with a significant decrease in deposits may tell me something completely different. And those become a lot harder to report on, right? I mean, now I'm, again, trying to slice and dice through probably some relatively significant SQL scripting or something to get to the types of data that that I want, as opposed to the automation factor, right? Having a system that can handle those cascading rules and then only tell me when we trip all of them or the right combination of factors to, to put something right on my desk that says, this happened, go do something with it, take some of the human factors out of the decision process, right? I may, as a human, look at it and say, eh, you know, I like Steve. I think he's going to be fine, even though the data tells me maybe we need to have a little bit deeper conversation with Steve and see what's going on in, in his business world that, again, just much easier to do with technology than it is to rely on the people looking at the data and interpreting the data you, the way you want them to. Right. Takes the human bias out of it. Mm-hmm. It also tells you who you don't need to talk to. Correct. Yeah, you can certainly look at things like automation of renewals. We did a great webinar with our some of our clients about a month or so ago and talked a lot about those types of ideas. How can you leverage positive behaviors or or maybe better said, the lack of negative behaviors to, to automate re- annual reviews? If nothing has triggered, if I'm looking at a lot of different factors and a lot of potentially funding factors and nothing is triggering, well, why look at it? And they were saying that uh, their their regulators have accepted it because they're able to point to exactly what their process looks like. What are they, what are those factors that that they are considering and building in? 
And because it's open, it's not a black box, the regulators are able to get comfortable with it and sign off on using that to automate, which, you know, again, you think about what does that do to the workforce? It frees people up to do more value-added work. It gives them more potential joy in the day, not spending my time pouring over reports and diving into details to try to understand, is this tire shop going to be successful next year? If I can point to all of the automation that we have and say, based on everything we're seeing, there's no way they aren't going to be successful. Then I can focus more on the people that need the help. And that's where a lot of these, the people in these roles derive satisfaction from their job is helping the people that need help, finding ways to restructure, modify loans for those that might go bad in the future or putting new products in front of them that might serve them better. So if I've got a portfolio of a thousand loans and a system can take some percentage of those off the table for me, that means I can spend more individual attention on the ones that really and truly need it as opposed to the ones that we're going to renew anyway because it's good, solid, healthy credit. You know, Brian, I really like what you said there. Automating processes, especially with credit risk management software, isn't about removing the human from the equation. It's surfacing the data and helping them make those decisions that are data-driven instead of off of some kind of bias. And I like the fact that you tie that back to value-added work. I think that's something that every employee wants to have, right? They want to contribute to their organization in a positive way. And I think that that really can be the unsung hero of process automation in a lot of ways, is that yeah. that employee experience, that that morale boost that comes along with not having to do these tedious tasks, but being able to make those decisions and, and really feel like you're moving the needle for your organization as well. So that being said, how do you see that really having a positive impact whenever you are automating credit risk processes? Where do you see that headed and providing a positive impact across the financial institution? Well, I would say there's probably two factors to focus on. One, there's the automation for automation's sake, right? I mean, there there is cost savings to be had by automating the processes. And to your point, Mitch, it's less about a staff reduction. It's more about do more with the same. As David said, we've been looking to grow these loan portfolios across the industry. Every bank out there is looking for ways to grow, bring on more loan volume. And, you know, that comes with additional processing that's necessary. There's two ways to solve for it, automate it or hire bodies. And if you can put the solutions in place to automate, you'll have better economics in the long run than those that that hire bodies to solve the same problem. The other factor is, again, just where do people put their focus on a day-to-day basis? Everybody wants to try to help, right? We want to do the fun deals. We want to go win that piece of business that maybe our organization hasn't competed for in the past, right? So I I go out and get a commercial loan that normally would go to the competitor down the street, or I help us get into a new market segment as part of my commercial lending out in the markets we serve. That's always fun, right? You want to be able to focus on those and drive that new business. Just like from the portfolio management perspective, I want to find those borrowers that I can help. I want to spend my time making a difference to the portion of the business that I serve. I don't want to spend my time in administrative tasks. I don't want to spend my time reviewing reports if I'm a portfolio manager and writing up a use case or a business case for why we should renew this loan for another year. I would much rather take that thousand, say, here's the 200 we're going to extend. Here's the bottom 200 that we need to, uh, you know, call the loan on or whatever your loss mitigation processes might be. And here's the middle of the bell curve where I'm going to spend my time and make a difference, right? I'm going to 
I'm going to find a way to renew a piece of business that makes sense to renew that the numbers maybe don't indicate, or I'm going to find time to restructure an, a, an agreement with a borrower to, to maximize you know their business. And similarly, on the front end, I don't want to spend my time doing the mundane aspects of commercial lending. I want to focus on selling the deal and winning the business, not underwriting it, not doing the down and dirty <laughs> admin work that, that comes along with the process if there's a way to do that with the system and still put out good credit at the end of the day. David, any final thoughts from you on that? I think it's always more fun as a human to be proactive than reactive. And traditional credit management is typically reactive, looking at historical items that things that have already occurred versus being proactive and looking for behavior changes and say deposits, which then could lead to a conversation around the loan and what's going on with the business and whether or not that business is healthy and if it's just a matter of structuring something differently to help that business along. So being proactive is being helpful, kind of like what Brian said. It's just more fun to work on. Keeps you out of the icky stuff and in the good stuff. So I think that's all. That's that's probably my last thought on that. Well, awesome. David, Brian, thank you guys so much for your thoughts on this today. I think a great topic to discuss. And thanks, everybody, for listening in to today's episode of Lending Made Easy.